for your word. We'd ask that we would take it in um, in the way each of us needs to take it in. In your son's name, amen. Now, one of the things about doing, uh, going through the Old Testament like I did in the last four weeks is you read a lot of Old Testament. And you, the Old Testament, as, as people generally say, well, that's the, uh, the God of wrath and the New Testament is the God of love. Well, that's the same God, and it's actually he's a lot nicer in the Old Testament than he is in the New. But, um, but you, you get into a kind of a mode. You read a lot of prophets, and the prophetic voice, you know, sometimes you, you've been on the Internet, right? You know that everybody puts on the prophetic voice about whatever. Their beliefs, either left or right, they're, they are denouncing, they are calling into question the eternal security of everyone. Sort of get that feeling. And you also start running across passages that seem to be a real prophet's very applicable voice to what's going on in your life today or your nation today. So I know that's going on in my own mind. I know that's... Uh, one of the things that, that since I like, I like uh, Moscow, Idaho, I like our little church, I like you guys, I like the town of Moscow. Um, one of the things that we've, as we've discussed things, go, is this the end? Is this the end of everything that we hold dear and sacred uh, and, and the kind of culture we like? Are we going to be arrested for worshiping Jesus? I don't know what's going to happen. But I was reading earlier in Jeremiah 5. So we're not in Jeremiah 5, we're in Jeremiah 7. But in Jeremiah 5, he says, uh, he's looking for, kind of like Diogenes, looking for the honest man. Run to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem. Look and take note. Search your squares to see if you can find a man one who does justice and seeks truth. This is the phrase that jumped out at me, that I may pardon her. That one man, see if you can find one man who does justice, that I might pardon the city. And it probably reminds you of the situation with Lot, where Abraham pleads with God, well, if there were ten righteous, would you save the city? God said, okay, for ten righteous. Problem was, there weren't. The one thing beneficial about our lives together, and I, what I want to encourage you as you listen to Jeremiah 7 today, is our pursuit of God, our walk with God, is what preserves the existence both of this town and this nation. God will be good to this people in spite of the fact they need, you know, to be smacked upside the head with something blunt. Um, it's the presence of the Christians who are faithful to their own pursuit of God. We're not here so that we have to convince everybody. It's not like God won't save America until we convince everybody to be some sort of evangelical. No, until we convince ourselves to be some sort of evangelical. To convince ourselves that our life before Christ is our own life is what's going to preserve the people. The kindness you would have to others who don't believe that their life would be preserved, that their world would not be destroyed. Oh, sure, they're going to face the judgment hereafter, but the kindness of giving them a longer, more pleasant existence that they might consider, perhaps, and find, 
is in your hands about how well you or how much you pursue God. Now, with that as a preface, we're looking at Jeremiah 7. Jeremiah 7 is one of those passages that as I look at my notes and I realize, you know, I've, I've been in Jeremiah 7 a few times, but it's been a long time. It's been like eight years or something like that. So I feel free to go back over some of the things, especially with fresh, you know, eight years ago, what was going on in this country was, uh, was different, what was prompting um, certain thoughts. Jeremiah 7.1 says, The word came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there this word. And say, hear the word of the Lord, all you men of Judah who enter these gates to worship the Lord. Do you have an idea who he's, what, it's like stand outside the front of the church. So everyone comes in, you buttonhole them, and they are the people who are going through that door for the reason that they are there to worship the Lord. Now Jeremiah, we learned in our Bible study of Old Testament survey, is in the last generation before the Babylonians take the, the last of the Jewish people into captivity. He was prophesying under the time of Josiah and subsequent. And uh, this was the end. This was every bit of fake religion you can imagine, fake true religion. Remember, God had chosen the Jewish people. He'd given them a priesthood. He'd given them temple and ordinances. And they had performed or not performed them. And they liked performing it. These people who enter these gates to worship the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, amend your ways and your doings. And I will let you dwell in this place. Do not trust in these deceptive words. <laughs> I think that phrase jumped out at me 45 years ago. Um, I was leading a Bible study in the Navy, and I think I ran across that phrase. And I said, that's one of those great, do not trust these deceptive words. This is the temple of the Lord. The temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. And you can almost hear the satisfaction of such a phrasing. The Jews knew that the presence of the living God dwelt in the Holy of Holies on the mercy seat in the temple of the Lord. It really was not just like the other religions. You might have had demons clustering around the temple of Artemis in Ephesus creating metaphysical events. You may have had sort of some sort of demonic influence at the temple of Apollo at Delphi. But certainly there were oracular utterances from there, but no denying there was metaphysics to the ancient religions. But uh, Yahweh, the Most High, made his name to dwell in Jerusalem instructed them on what the form the temple would take 
And they built it, and they built the Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat on which the presence of God rested, literally. A temple is a, this is a, an assembly hall. This is not a temple. Temples are where the God lives. That's what you're claiming in a temple. The God lives here. The Jews had actually not just a God living there, they had the God living there. His presence dwelt in the Holy of Holies. And you had these schmarmy evangelical Jews showing up at the temple, um, so maybe singing a song of ascents, because they like songs of ascents with people who like religious observances. Uh, songs of ascents in the Psalms are, are processional. Uh, that's the guesswork of the scholars. Processional, you know, the people of God going up the hill to the, to the temple. And perhaps even murmuring to themselves, the temple of the Lord. See the sun, the sun falling, it's facing east, you know, because that's what orientation means. The orient, okay? It's facing east. The gates of both the city and the temple. Sun coming up in the morning. A line of priests, perhaps. And they're the priests of the true God. And that temple, resplendent, pick your one. Solomon's, Ezra's, Herod's. Resplendent as the light falls on it. You're almost weeping. Your children clasping their pudgy little fingers together as you race towards your God. Totally, absolutely believing the deceptive words that because you're right, you're right. Yes, it is the temple of the Lord, but it doesn't make you right. This is a Christian church. Jesus Christ is glorified. We believe the gospel that saves, and yet, and yet, any one of you could walk in here feeling that with your children clasping their pudgy little fingers together and not have amended our ways. That's the next verse. For if you truly amend your ways and your doings, if you truly execute justice, one with another, if you do not oppress the alien, the fatherless, or the widow, or shed innocent blood in this place, and if you do not go after other gods to your own heart, then I'll let you dwell in this place, in the land that I gave of old to your fathers forever. Now, do you notice that word at the end there? I gave it to your fathers forever. Psych. You don't, is that what they say in the young people these days? Probably maybe 20 years ago they said that. Forever. God has always been a God, you might not agree with this, who changes his mind about these sorts of things. He promised them this forever, but he's telling them right here, you're not going to keep it forever. Because the deal is, you sin against me. I want you to recognize one key thing about our religion. When, because it's the true God, like it was the true God for the Jews in the temple in Jerusalem, it is the true God for the Christians, Jesus Christ, the Son of the Blessed, and we are followers of him, and he is the Most High. He is the maker of heaven and earth. And consequently, 
when you worship him, your failures to do justice in light of his standings about things, your failure to not oppress both alien, fatherless, and widow, your failure to protect the innocent, and you go after other gods. He gets really torqued. He spent a lot of time bringing about his temple in Jerusalem. They did not know where it was going to be. I mean, all the way down to David, it was David had to defeat the Jebusites to take the city of Jebus away from them so he could make it the city of David and name Jerusalem. It used to be a Jebusite city. It was always in the prophecies where you, wherever God decides to fix his name as a place for him to dwell, he would dwell. But we cannot violate this great thing that has been given us because we've got the true one and maybe we've got the grace of the true one. Because an awful lot of people, a lot of Christians, love the fact that Jesus is about forgiveness. He died for your sins. And grace abounds, where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. We sometimes violate that other Pauline thing, shall I therefore sin that grace may abound? We sometimes at least have a cavalier notion about what freedoms of, you might say, religious insincerity I can exist in. You say, well, I don't worship other gods. Yeah, but do you walk through the door just sort of feeling the kind of the warm fuzzies of being in the right and with the right group of belief systems. God wants righteousness out of you. If you trust in deceptive words, behold, you trust in deceptive words to no avail. Will you steal? No, I don't. As you know, this is not a doesn't have strong cult capabilities. We don't have a membership. I don't call on you midweek to find out, how are you doing? I expect if you're doing poorly, you say, I better go talk to somebody. And I don't care if it's me or someone else, but you need to talk to somebody about getting your life squared away. Jesus Christ in the driver's seat, fill on your windshield. You need to. But it's not the kind of church that's going to hunt you down. So I don't know. I might be saying something here, presuming, of course, I have no murderers in my Congress. I might. I don't know. Could be one of you. I've watched, watched enough forensic files. I know that somebody has already poisoned their wife and buried her in the back 40. Now, I hope it's not you. I really do, because that would be so exciting, because Leslie could be on TV on forensic files. The interview the pastor's wife. Well, we always thought they were a very nice couple. She seemed so happy. Will you steal? I don't know if you've stolen anything. Murder? Huh? Any of you? I, don't, I see that hand. Commit adultery. Now there's is a murder. That's a bridge too far. And what if I got caught swiping a pack of gum from the local 7-Eleven? I mean, even if it's just shoplifting, I know it's wrong, you know. And murder, boy, that's really wrong. But adultery, there's some, there's some, uh, that's some sin there. Because what about adultery? What about it? 
It's one of those temptations that sounds like a lot of fun. I can't, I don't understand theft. I said, what's fun about that? I got some gum for free? I mean, I got, stole a CD, if they still use CDs. Okay, who knows? Stole something, a widget from Walmart, because I wanted one. I just, I can't even look at it anymore because I stole it. And once you murder somebody, they're murdered, you're done. I mean, you can't really murder them again. But adultery, man, that's a sin right there. And the Lord Jesus Christ had strong definitions of what made it that. You might want to check his teaching. We trust in the deceptive words that this is the temple of the Lord. This is, this is the house of God. This is the assembly hall of the saints, if you want. We're not a temple. But it's the assembly hall of the people who've been called out of darkness into marvelous light by the gospel. And we had better stick close to that because that is the God who stands for this justice, stands for this goodness, is little bothered if you start to look like you're just being religious for your own enjoyment's sake. A lot of different ways. And we're a pretty low church church, you know that. Uh, I was watching some other pastor preach this morning. It was an accident. I, he just happened to be on my Facebook feed, so I watched just a few seconds. I wasn't stealing a sermon or anything. He had robes. I did not have robes. I, somebody was telling me I, I, this white jacket just blows out the camera on the, on the feed, and I just look like as televangelisty as possible, you know. Uh, so I like that. I figure with the black background, how's it, how is it going up there on the feed, John? It's, uh, do I look good? Thank you. Thumbs up. Now, we're low church, and that could be a real satisfaction. A real, I mean, a real, not because of justice and kindness and righteousness, but because that appeals to some of us for a reason. And, we have, and there's nothing wrong that it appeals to you. If you like a more liturgical, smells and bells, you know, type of Anglican thing going on, God bless you, you know, it's fine. But don't think because we're low church that we're not tempted by the same thing. Going someplace where the kind of spirituality that has formed there is what is rewarding us, not spirituality. The enjoyment of the aesthetic. The casualness. The fact that the pastor, when he speaks, is, is, is like if you came over to my house and I was arguing with you over dinner table because that's what I would do. This is what I would sound like. This pastor I was watching this morning, something happened when he put the robes on. I said, this, I, I couldn't trust the man because it sounded so fake. Now, in some worlds... That's right down the middle. That's exactly what they want religion-wise. So we make our choices. Some of you are more orthodox than others. Some of you are more, you know, I think I described it in the notes as um, meeting in a vacant lot in your postmodern church with an overhead projector propped up on a tire. Uh, that some people's idea of church. And some people, for this, I was thinking to myself, you know, we're a small church, but, you know, we're kind of happening. Other than the pastor is really dated in his, you know, references 
like CDs and things like that. Uh, you say, look, look around you, young people. Some old guys, they're just visiting. Don't worry about them. They'll leave. My sister, she'll leave too. So it's just, as Evan and Leslie, we're the one old couple. Isn't that right? Yeah. Oh, Roy, he's, yeah, he's, he's older than me. But uh, that's it. Pretty hip. And you get that feeling. I don't want you to have that feeling. I'm glad it is enjoyable. I'm glad you say, yeah, we have pews. And we sit in pews. They're really uncomfortable. Remember those padded chairs we had? We got the building first. They were comfortable. Then the church leadership sold them and bought the pews. But still, there's kind of an artisanal. This is an artisanal church. Pews. You know, if you give us enough money, we'll put your family's name on the end of the pew. And you can claim it. We have a way of having the true religion become our biggest stumbling block. And we don't even have the real God who's, the, the curtain's not hiding you like the curtain in the holies of holies from the presence of God that would kill you. It's just hiding you from the play stuff for next weekend. If our lives are not just and righteous, and they are committing adultery, swearing falsely, your head cleared a little bit there. It was like stealing, murder, adultery. Lighten up, Francis. I mean, I've got my temptations, but they're not that. Okay, swearing falsely, burning incense to Baal, and to go after other gods you have not known, and then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, we are delivered, only to go on doing all these abominations. If you do not repent of sin, oh, God's willing to forgive you. He's a forgiving God. He has a dim view, hence the passage, of people who go, yes, I'll take some of that forgiveness, grab it, clean the slate. You know, let's talk about student loans briefly. I hear some people took out some, and I hear that they're just crippling. Well, too bad for you. But there's a movement afoot to try to get someone else to pay the student loan back for you. And your mom and dad, you fooled them a few times. They're not going to do it. So maybe the United States Congress will. What do we think? Why are mom and dad not going to do it? Because you will charge something else. As soon as you are free of the charge of your $100,000 for going out and eating every night when you were going through undergrad. It's no longer there. You're just going to do it again. This claim of deliverance, this abusing the righteousness and the goodness of God to say, I can go over to the temple of God, the household of faith. I can confess my sins and God, he's going to forgive me only to go on doing these abominations. Has this house, verse 11, which is called by my name, become a den of robbers in your eyes? Oh, did that strike a chord in you? Because Jesus quotes it in Matthew when he's driving the money changers out of the temple 
Has my house become a den of robbers? Behold, I myself have seen it, says the Lord. That's one of the problems with you being belonging to the true religion. Now, I know it's not polite, woke enough to say, there's only one way to God. There's only one way to God, okay? And the cops, any cops here? They tell me I can't, the, the woke police, won't let you say only Jesus is the path to Jesus Christ and God. Well, one of those, it's not so much that, you know, we get to go neener, neener, we're the path, we know, we know, we know God, you don't. You're just a Hindu, you're just an LDS, whatever the, whatever the religion. Whatever the religion, the religion believes it's the religion. But say you were, whatever it is, say you were, you know, some head-hunting cult to the worshippers of Elvis. And it just so happened that it really was the true religion, that a head-hunting cult who worshipped an idol of Elvis Presley um, was true. We're talking about the danger of the true religion. The danger of the true God and his acolytes, the people that come to his house, Graceland, I imagine, um, to worship him. We don't realize when it really is the true religion, the God is really there seeing it. I noticed that when I was going through this. He says, behold, I myself have seen it, says the Lord. I have seen you do this. I was, my presence was in the Holy of Holies while you were trotting up the steps with your singing your little processional song with your kids and their pudgy fingers. So pleased to be at church a Sunday. Always blessed by the music service. Living damnable lives. We're supposed to be a credit to the grace of Jesus Christ. Yes, you were a sinner. Yes, you were forgiven. Yes, he will still forgive you. Quit sinning. Be a credit to his grace. Go now to my place that was in Shiloh. Now, when they first came into the land, they were carrying their temple. It was a tabernacle, a tent, set up on the same floor plan, very large thing, that uh, had walls, curtain walls, and so forth, and they set it up at Shiloh. And so Jeremiah, here many years later, this is close to, this is 900 years later. Shiloh was the place they came and set up uh, back when Samuel was uh, at the end of the judgeship. So maybe not a thousand. Now we're dealing with 600 years, okay? 600 years. What's 600 years back from here? Columbus, you know, or something like that. Go back and look at Shiloh, where I made my name to dwell at first, and see what I did to it for the wickedness of my people Israel. And now, because you have done all these things, says the Lord, when I spoke to you persistently, you did not listen. When I called you, you did not answer. Therefore, I will do to the house which is called by my name and in which you trust and to the place which I gave to you and to your fathers as I did to Shiloh. And I will cast you out of my sight as I cast out all your kinsmen, all the offspring of Ephraim. This is at the time of 
the Babylonian invasions. 150 years earlier, the Assyrians had come in and taken Ephraim, the Israelites, into captivity. Jeremiah saying, that just happened just a few years ago. And way back, Shiloh. Sometimes a tourist will go to the Middle East and visit Jerusalem, and there's a wailing wall you go to see, and then there's the Dome of the Rock, a mosque that's out there at the Dome of the Rock. And you know, a lot of people are just wanting the Dome of the Rock back because it's where the temple was located, and they'd like to rebuild the temple. And I'm saying to myself, you know, just like you go out to Shiloh, you should go see the Dome of the Rock. It's a mosque currently, and to me, that's the best message. The Jews ignored their God, violated the covenant, and when it was torn from their cold dead fingers by the Roman Empire, it was handed over to other people. The temple was dismantled down to the ground. The wailing wall is just a foundation wall. That's all that's left. The Rome, Titus, when he tore up the city in the 70 AD, he said, I don't want anyone to know there was a temple or a city here. Efficiently done. So the Dome of the Rock, a mosque there on the site there, the city of David, is a good memory for Christians. This is what happens when the people who were given that which was true did not honor what was true with a life that became it. They were counting on it being true to kind of get them out of jail free card, keep the Dome of the Rock. It's the judgment of God. Reminds you to never go to church without bringing the grace of God in your life to the rest of the saints. That's what you're doing. Why do you, I'm glad you like to come here. I'm glad you like the hymns. I'm glad people sign on when they're watching and so they can sing the hymns too. And I'm glad you like the fellowship with one another and thank you for the donuts, Robert. Decent coffee, bug-free hot chocolate mix. Now bug-free. All those things are good. But what we have in our God, we are coming together as the true recipients, you're very few of you in this world. Now, you're not the, this is not the only group. There are other people in town here that worship Jesus Christ. And total those all up. Maybe there's a, you know, under 2,000. Let's say under 2,000 people who believe in Jesus Christ personally are followers of that God that you call truth. There are 28,000 people in this town. So less than 10%. True regenerate people. It would be very beneficial if those who found the true God and worshiped the true God were a credit to that. As for you, speaking to Jeremiah here, verse 16. Do not pray for this people or lift up cry or prayer for them and do not intercede with me for I do not hear you. God was fed up. If we get to this point in the Old Testament, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, they're some of the last 
the last prophets before the exile into Babylon. And it was done. Even the righteous king Josiah, he came to power, did all that the Lord required of him, and God said, you know, thanks, Josiah, very nice of you to do, but you know, this is so bad that as soon as you're dead, they're gone. As soon as you die, I'm going to take the people into captivity. They deserve to be punished. It couldn't be that back and forth, back and forth anymore. He just said, just delay, that's all it is. Stay alive as long as you can. He's done. I'm not going to listen to you if you prayed for them. Do you not see what they are doing in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem? The children gather wood, the fathers kindle fire, and the women, women need dough to make cakes, cakes for the queen of heaven. That's Ishtar. And they pour out drink offerings to other gods to provoke me to anger. Now, I don't know if I, I realize this. We still, some people still keep these practices. They don't even know they're keeping them, some of them. But some people, some city groups of people will pour out like a Colt 45 malt liquor on the ground. That's a drink offering that goes way back. You're pouring out libations to the gods. Otherwise, you're just wasting beer. Still goes on. But I'm not so worried that Somebody pouring out a Colt 45 is pagan. These were doing, people doing it knowing they were doing it. it is, is it I whom they provoke, says the Lord? Is it not themselves to their own confusion? Now, this is what we're witnessing in a day that has become more and more secular. I have no belief that you can convince the world to worship Jesus Christ. I take the Lord at his word. It's those that find it are few. We're not here to win. We've won. Our God has won. But we'd like to have good things happen. We'd like to have not bad things. We'd like to be the kind of influence that is protecting a city by the righteous presence in it and not by just the true presence in it. You're not just protecting the city because a church of Jesus Christ is here in town because it's called All Souls Christian Church. It's not going to do a thing. But in their world, karma is going to come back. Their provo provocation. Have you noticed? The Internet's a wonderful place. People seem to have their cameras on for every hilarious moment. And they'll post it and you're watching somebody get their comeuppance, uh, their fail reels, right, you know, on anything, skateboards, uh, everybody getting their comeuppance. There was a woman, I don't know why she was doing it, I don't think it was part of the protests or anything like that, but she was trying to light a car on fire. <laughs> you see the video? She had gotten the window down of this car in a parking lot, she was just throwing gasoline into this car. Back seat. Back window was down. So she's got one of those uh, butane uh, gasoline you know, grill lighters, long thing. So she leans into the car <laughs> through the window. It is probably sat there 
gasoline on the seats for, I don't know, 15 seconds, 20 seconds. You know what's going to happen next. And it does on camera. Look it up. It's sweet. She doesn't die. She is surprised. <laughs> you know, it's just... A, a, I've done it myself with my boiler back when you had the old, uh, you know, 1911 boiler and, and forgetting where the pilot light was and waiting too long to find it before I tried to light it and blew off my eyebrows. I don't know if you remember those days without my eyebrows. But we know that, that our, we provoke when we, are, when we are living against God, the provocation is done. God going, well, what am I going to do? He can wipe us all out. But he knows that we're wiping ourselves out. The sinful man is just lighting, you know, bottle rockets inside his own pants. To their own confusion. Verse 20, therefore says, thus says the Lord God, behold, my anger and my wrath will be poured out on this place upon man and beast, upon the trees of the field, the fruit of the ground, it will burn and not be quenched. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, add your burnt offerings to your sacrifices and eat the flesh. For in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt, I did not speak to your fathers or command them concerning burnt offerings and sacrifices. He says, you guys are trotting up to the temple here. Yes, it's the temple of the Lord. Saying it's the temple of the Lord. And then you're bringing your burnt offerings and your sacrifices. He's saying, choke on it, buddy. I didn't ask for that first. But this command I gave them, obey my voice and I will be your God and you shall be my people and walk in all the way that I command you that it may be well with you. That's it. That is it. This is something that all of us need to have decided to do as Christians. You've heard me say before, the three essential doctrines that you have to believe is the gospel of Jesus Christ, a desire to please your God, and to know where truth comes from. Simple. Get that worked out. You know where truth comes from. You know how to work truth. You know how to pursue it. You know how to pursue your God. You know that church is not for you to play in some sort of arranged, you know, friendly playland for people of the Christian faith. It is where we gather together with the people we love, especially because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are you here to obey his voice? Or you're always going, you know, it doesn't say I can't do this. But they did not obey or incline their ear, but walked in their own counsels and the stubbornness of their evil hearts. And went backward, not forward. Now, you say to yourself, well, I don't worship Baal. I haven't committed adultery, nor murder, nor stolen anything. I don't even remember bearing false witness. So we're cool, right? I didn't get on the list. All of those things, by the way, are for people who walk in their own counsels and the stubbornness of their own hearts. You are, you might say, going to... Um, get your core classes out of the way called the stubbornness of your heart and the counsels of your own uh, um, your own counsels and the stubbornness of their evil hearts. 
that's what everybody's out there doing. They're, they're, they're trying to arrange a life that works for them because the way they want it, that's how they're going to function. Well, those people, not most of them don't murder anybody. Most of them don't steal stuff. Most of them don't commit adultery, even the ungodly. But they're prepping to. The reason you don't murder somebody is you don't have opportunity or the circumstances didn't make you that angry. The reason you don't commit adultery, primarily opportunity. And what's the opportunity work with? The kind of person who lives by their own counsels. People who are in the stubbornness of their own evil hearts and they go backward and not forward. We're not to be that. We're not, we're, we're not to be falsely religious in a low church sort of way. There's a lot of nice things about a group like this. You don't have to worry about having enough room to six feet separate. And that won't go on forever. It's, you know, I get the sense it's real. And you don't have to agree with the pastor about doctrine. That's another nice thing. Though you should. We're here to listen to our God. We're here to listen to the word of God, not the words of the pastor interpreting the word of God, but your eyes on the text and going, did the pastor say anything correct about this passage this morning? And luckily, if I did, you can accept that too. But you're after your God. You're after the joy of being shaped into the likeness of his son. From the days that your fathers came out of the land of Egypt to this day, I have persistently sent all my servants, the prophets, to them day after day. And yet they did not listen to me or incline their ear, but stiffened their neck. They did worse than their fathers. So you shall speak all these words to them, but they will not listen to you. You shall call them, but they will not answer you. Now, one of the basic things is, you can check that. I'm pretty sure I didn't murder anybody. But here's another thing to check. Out of 1 John, I had the quote on the side here. We are of God. Whoever knows God listens to us. And he who is not of God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. He's not talking about the us. It does not include me or you guys. He's talking about the apostles. This is how you know the spirit of truth and spirit of error. Do they listen to the apostles? You could add to that the prophets of God. They obviously, there's a distinction about these people that God is going to judge is that they are spoken to by the prophet Jeremiah and not listened to. It's almost like the Cassandra gift, right? The Greek prophetess who is given a gift of Apollo, I think, was after her because he was after everybody. And she said, no, 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 unless you give me the gift of prophecy. And he gave it to her, and then she still denied him. Um, we'll just call it time. And so he said, okay, you'll always be right, but no one will ever believe you. And that's what Christians get to be. We'll always be. The closer we are to God, the more right. Here is the, from, uh, the prophet Jeremiah. They will not listen. They will not answer you. And what you're looking for in the body of Christ are people who are looking at your apostles, people who are teaching in the Word of God in the New Testament and go, do you listen to them? Do you know where truth comes from? Or are you? Because if you don't accept the truth of the Scriptures, 
you're accepting the truth of your own, we'll just call them scriptures, your own counsel, and the stubbornness of your own evil hearts. That's what, you know, people don't come up with anything brand new. You know, everybody's getting so oddly, I was watching some, um, I, I did work this morning on the sermon, but there was another one um, done to a song by a woman vicar in her robes. I didn't last long on that. But, you know, oddly enough, when they reject what the apostles say, when they reject what the prophets say, they don't come up with anything really remarkably new. They just come up with agreeing with whatever the world tells them to think. You know, they're so predictable. They're so, they're so malleable. As soon as they reject the word of God, as soon as they reject that which God has asked of us, we run over and do the most predictable thing possible. Oh, you, you want to be a woman, lesbian, bishop, Eskimo. I don't know what you're going to be. You can identify as anything now. Well, isn't that exactly, isn't that exactly what the world would like to have you be? Nobody ever stops and goes, you know, we're going to start sacrificing people. You've got to get the white of your eyes. There you go. Thanks, Kristen. Uh, around the pupils. And then say, we're not just going to sacrifice people. No, it's not going to be the poor. We can afford the poor. We're going to start sacrificing famous Hollywood actors. And then after the first weekend, when you snatch about five of them, and they find their broken bodies at the Hollywood sign or something like that, this is our religion. You want an exciting religion? This will be it. Hold it. No, let's not go there. Let's have lesbian bishops, please, with flowers on their chasubles. Everybody wants to be so predictable, just what the world wants. They don't listen to God, and you shall say to them, this is the nation that did not obey the voice of the Lord their God and did not accept discipline. Truth has perished. It is cut off from their lips. It's, a, uh, it's something we want for each other, that we be about Jesus Christ, each of us. We're about what the Lord is doing in you to make you more like him. You want to please him. You got on the right path in the gospel of Jesus Christ. You believed in the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord. You called upon him for the forgiveness of sins. And you stepped into this to wanting to please God, and you found all souls Christian in the midst of all of the... And this is where maybe you're deciding to, I'm going to hang out with these believers. They seem they're about pleasing God. Let's be about pleasing God. And then enjoy the other things on the side. You can still clasp your pudgy hands together um, if you're a child or fat like me. Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're very grateful. Keep us... Uh, close to your word, rather than glossing over our sins with our religion. Be forgiving towards us, Lord. We are grateful for your grace. We'd ask that you, we would take a lesson in it, that we'd look at the history of your people, and when they thought to press your jealousies and your righteousness too far, keep us from going there, Lord. Grow us up in you. In your son's name, amen.